on today's episode of With the First Pick, we'll pick our rookie all-pro team. The obvious selections, the biggest surprises, and the even bigger omissions. I'm Ryan Wilson. That's Rick Spillman. This is episode 111. 111. And Rick, how many days until the 2024 NFL Draft? Yeah, there's actually 112 days until the 2024 NFL Draft. 12 days, and hopefully I can keep my New Year's resolution of being nice to Ryan Wilson. But we all know how those New Year's resolutions go. Usually after a month of going to the gym, ultra doing, or you just got a new treadmill, next thing you know, it becomes a coat rack. So A month, that's I, a good run. I am trying to get through the end of this month is what my goal is. Although I know that after 12 more days, I have the opportunity to – maybe go in a different direction than you're thinking on some of this. But for the most part, I am here and sticking to my New Year's resolution. Exacerbating matters will be that we'll be spending a lot more face-to-face time together, too, as we start our traveling schedule. So that can make things much, much worse, much quicker. And then I'm going to become an expert in the area of coffee because we oh, yeah. took me to all these coffee shops when we had the opportunity. Maybe we should... Uh, talk coffee while we're on the road and uh, maybe we can get a free cup of coffee. If we promote one of you, your favorite coffee houses that we go to or whatever the hell they're called. Yeah, no, I, they're, the one in mobile I already know where we're going. Debo, any, uh, any money in TikTok coffee talk? No, no. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. All right. Let's... And you found one in Indy when we were at the combine. Indianapolis. I took you to one in Lexington, Kentucky, which was a, one of my favorite coffee shops when we went to Will Levis's pro day. So yeah. We'll do that. That'll be one of our side jobs. Debo doesn't think it's going to make us money. We'll prove him wrong. In the meantime, let's talk some of these rookie all pros. And Debo sent out an initial email of some obvious names. And then you and I uh, had our own votes for our personal picks. And we're going to go through them together here and see uh, see what this list looks like here. So my first question to you, it feels like, and I've talked about this before, we've watched these rookies extremely closely because it's part of our job, but it feels like this rookie class has been bigger contributors across the board than in recent years. Does that sound right? Or is that just because we're paying attention? Yeah, I think like last year, Debo didn't have us pay attention to this rookie class. Debo didn't even come up with this idea yet. (laughs) So it would have been great if he would have thought of this early in the season and we could have had, but we do have a better, sorry, Debo. I I know you were sleeping at the switch there. In Debo's defense, we didn't start the podcast till November 28th, 2020. I know, but that's not, he didn't, what did he do? Wake up in the middle of the night and say, Oh, let me think of this on November 27th. Why didn't he have that vision in the summer? I don't I know. think, I don't think Debo being nice to Debo was one of your new year's resolutions. It sounds like no, it, it was Ryan Wilson, but should, maybe I should have put Debo on it. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, what do you think about this year's class in terms of compared to previous classes? I think it's been a couple of the reasons is that teams are playing these rookies earlier. Um, I think they're doing a, great job, especially with some of these staffs of developing these guys, because not only are they contributing on the field, but from an overall economic standpoint, you save so much money uh, when you have guys on a rookie contract that are contributing at the level that they're contributing. Uh, And it's just, they're a bunch of good football players and you have to play these guys. Um, So, you know, if, for example, when we talked about the 49ers, the luxury they have right now when we talked about them in a Super Bowl window is because they're playing Brock Purdy minimum contract on a rookie deal. So you can go spend money in other areas and why. But eventually you're going to have to pay these quarterbacks. And we talked about the last podcast in which we recapped the um, semifinals of the national championship games about how this draft class coming up looks to be even deeper. So there's an opportunity to see even this more players next be, year. I think a very exciting draft class in specific areas. There are other areas just like every year. And I'm sure in future podcasts, we'll talk about the strengths and weaknesses of this draft class, but quarterback class, uh, this one's going to be fun to watch how it all unfolds. All right, let's start with the quarterbacks uh, on our rookie all pro team with the first pick style. I'll give you a list of names, and you can uh, tell me. Are we going to waste our time on this podcast talking about potentials? All right. It's Bryce Young. All right. Now on to the running backs. (laughs) I wonder how many people actually listening to this would not be surprised to think that you voted for Bryce Young. It's C.J. Stroud. 
Yeah, no, no question. Hands no down. question. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and give credit to uh, Bobby Slowick, first time coordinator and what he's done with CJ Stroud and what that whole staff has done with him, because I don't know anyone anticipating him having this big of impact as a rookie, especially at the quarterback position. And I go all the way back. I remember an August podcast when we evaluated him in the New England game and it was like, oh boy, this is going to take a little bit of time yeah. but because he wasn't getting through his progressions. It, it was fast for him, but give them credit for finding out what he is comfortable with and implementing that into their system and the rest is history. And I think week one of the regular season was that Ravens game where he looked a little rough around the edges as well. But as he told you, the combine last year, when you made fun of him in his first college start, you got to give a brother a chance to warm up. Yeah. And he, and he is has warmed up. He is good and warm. So, yeah. Slam dunk, unanimous selection. He will be oh, receiving. Was that at the Super Bowl? What's that? That was at the Super Bowl on a set when we had him there. Because no, no, a lot that was in the combine. I had the clip. I sent it out. Yeah, but I thought we talked about him at the Super Bowl. We talked with him at the Super Bowl as well, but you were nicer to him then. Yeah. And then once you got comfortable with him, you started mouthing off, and he didn't he didn't like it. <laughs> Although he took it extremely well, and that's yeah. the point Danny Cannell made. Danny actually said at the time that he was surprised how much his opinion of C.J. Stroud changed when he met him in person and got to see who he was. And you say it all the time. That's part of the reason you you have to show up and see as opposed to just watch it on television. Yep. And, and it's like I said, we had an opportunity because a lot of those guys, once they declare for the draft, are going to be get carting, getting carted around at the uh, Super Bowl. And we had an opportunity to get a lot of those guys and get in front of a lot of those guys there. Another thing worth noting before we move on here, Tyree Wilson, who is not going to make our rookie all-pro team, but we talked to him at the Senior Bowl, and he was um, had, had the injured foot, but he was extremely quiet and very nice and thoughtful. And then we saw him at the Combine. And he'd been coached up, but he didn't say a whole lot. So that's also why it's helpful to get him early sometimes before they have to go through the ringer of talking to everyone and their brother about Well, Senior Bowl, uh, Super Bowl, those guys haven't been coached up yet because exactly. they got a month to prepare them before they get to the combine. That's why it was so important uh, at the Senior Bowl, especially when you get these initial interviews going, that you're getting – the kids because they just finished your season. They haven't been with the agents and in their programs yet, or just starting their programs. So you can get a pretty good indication of who they are before they get all prepped. And by the time they get to the combine all buttoned up. Yep. So that's why I thought always the East West, the senior bowl, all of that was uh, extremely important to get in front of those kids at that time. I'll ask you this quickly before we move on. Did you ever, your staff ever have the occasion to coach any one of those all-star games? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's the year we drafted uh, Harrison Smith. Or, oh. uh, you, kept it, you kept it very quiet, too, after the fact. Yeah. We never talked to him after the Senior Bowl. But you get an – that's an advantage, right? Talking to yeah, all these they kids. don't do that now. That used to be staffs, entire staffs, would you know, the teams with the worst, worst records got an opportunity to go right. down there and coach at the Senior Bowl. Now uh, they're doing a lot of these as part of the development – of these young coaches that are position coaches. They get an opportunity to potentially be coordinators at these games. Coordinators get an opportunity to potentially be um, head coaches or right. head coaches at these games. And one of the things I used to do, uh, and I was able to, to get access, was I knew our scouts were at you know out there doing their evaluations and I'd out watching practice, but I'd also go sit in some of these meetings and watch a position coach run a, you know, an offense or defensive meeting as an entire team or watch a coordinator uh, as a head coach. And you got pretty good indication of how these guys are. Yeah. And I think you've talked in the past about how you, you, you've helped people sort of figure out who's who in the zoo when it comes to coaching candidates as well. Right. Yes. All right. Do you think I'm coaching material? No, I, you're GM material all the way. I'm just a scout in the corner, just trying to just to support you uh, in this podcast. That's right. Debo's going to change your handle to at scout in the corner. All right, congratulations, CJ. You're going to win. I like I just a scout in the corner. I think that's uh that's, that's pretty that's good. Catchy. That's that's the one you can't trust, but that is your handle. And uh, Debo will be sending CJ a commemorative with the first pick hat that says you're an All Pro. So that's good. All right, running back position. 
Candidates, of course, are Jameer Gibbs, B. John Robinson. Let's see if there are any other guys we want to throw in there that had good seasons. Um, hey, Chad, if he doesn't get hurt. If he doesn't get hurt. Oh, well, I'm sorry, Debo. I didn't mean to cut you off. I didn't know you were. we were all three of us on this podcast. Did so. you say this? Did you guys say both say Devon Achan? I said Kyron Williams if he didn't, and then Debo was, I think that's who You know what's funny? Kyron's a year two guy. Is he? Yeah. Because when we talk, I I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if you realized that or not, because we would talk about the rookie Rams class, and you would always mention Kyron. I just thought maybe you meant, you thought he's a young guy, but he actually is a year two guy. So you were yelling at Debo for saying Devon A. Chang, so you could say Kyron Williams. (laughs) I'll just go back in the corner. Let me just go back and sit in the corner. (laughs) Oh, but just so you know, Debo has a voodoo doll, and he's been stabbing it, and that's how he gets you to mess up. It, it, this is not uncommon for Debo-type stuff. So Devon Achan got injured. He's been in and out with injuries, but he has certainly played at an extremely high level. Uh, he's averaging eight yards per rush. Is that good? That's not bad. <laughs> that's not bad. Uh, by comparison, Jameer's at 5.4 yards, and Bijan's at 4.7. Uh, we are unanimously – we unanimously agree that is, Rick – we went with Jameer Gibbs. Yes. And the only thing that I would, another player that be an honorable mention for me until he blew his ACL out and then he was have and didn't play much early in the season was Mitchell, the uh, that was in Baltimore, was having Keaton first- Mitchell. And I'll tell you this he was averaging 8.4 yards per rush. Right. So. I'm just trying to look at the stats here quickly. He only had 47 rushing attempts. Jameer had 169, and Bijan had 203. I think it's fair to say that Bijan wasn't consistently adequately used in Atlanta. Would you agree with that? I would agree 100%. Whereas Jameer got up to a slow start, and people were asking Dan Campbell why he's not playing enough. Go ahead. It's not a slow start. Okay. Slow and usage, I, sorry. Slow usage, not yeah. that they wouldn't have had an impact. Look, at I remember... Justin Jefferson didn't play for us for the first couple of games early. He was a rotational guy. And then all of a sudden they figured out that he's pretty good. And <laughs> that was a tough one to figure out, wasn't it? <laughs> Who will have a better career, Jameer or Bijan? And maybe, maybe assume that Arthur Smith does not have that job next year. Yeah. Oh, here, let me, hypothetically, you don't have to read into anything into this just so we can jumpstart the conversation. Let's say Ben Johnson is the Falcons coach and he has Bijan and those playmakers at his disposal. Then who has the next, the best career of the next five years or so? Bijan by far. Good Lord. He didn't even hesitate Debo. <laughs> All right. You heard it first. You heard it here first. Arthur blank. The answer to all your problems. Well, you got to get a quarterback, but um, once you do that and get a head coach, you're, you're good to go. All right. Congratulations, Jameer. Rick will hand deliver the, your hat. You're a commemorative hat, so <laughs> look, look forward to seeing that. All right, I don't even think that's too controversial. Is that controversial, G- uh, Debo, Jameer over Bijan? No, I think an all-pro team is is based more on it's production a for the given year. Team. It's not an all-pro team. Emphasize the year, n- rookie in front of it. It is rookie all-pro. It's a with-the-first-pick rookie all-pro team. I know. He didn't say that. He just said all-pro team. You keep coming to Debo, and he keeps coming back at you. I would be careful, Rick. Tread lightly, my friend. <laughs> I, I forgot. He's the owner. I'm just the uh, guy in the corner sitting and next to him. he has the voodoo doll. I hope Rick doesn't pick Jamar Chase for this next position. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rick, Jamar Chase is not a rookie. All right, so we're going to the rookie class, and it would not be a rookie class if Puka Spielman did not select Puka Spielman. So that Puka Nakua was in. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Yeah. 100 reception, 101 receptions, excuse me, over 1,400 yards, five touchdowns. We talked about him each and every week when we were doing the um, top five rookie performances earlier in the season. And then things get a little interesting. So we both agree Jordan Addison is very deserving. And 66 receptions, 854 yards, nine touchdowns. And he did some of that damage without Kirk Cousins because Kurt went down with the injury. And... I think he was the fourth, either the third or fourth wide receiver drafted. And you could argue he should have been the first. And that brings us to wide receiver three on the rookie all-pro team. The choices are Rushy Rice, who did come along slowly at first, unlike um, Jameer. He did start slow and, and sort of 
uh, was used more f- frequently and got hotter. He struggled with drops at times. And then Zay Flowers, who maybe the twitchiest wide receiver in this draft class, he struggled with drops throughout, but he has also made some big boy plays as well. Who'd you go with, Rick? Oh, I went with Zay Flowers because he had an impact immediately as a rookie, and he's their number one receiver, in my opinion. I know they have OBJ, they have Bateman, but I think he was the receiver that Lamar really connected with and had a rapport with, and you can see that the way they play together. But I thought he had a bigger impact through the entire season than Rasheed Rice has, but Rasheed has come on as of late. Yeah, I don't disagree with any of that. Um, so let me throw some more numbers at you, see if we can come to a decision here. Rasheed had 79 receptions. Decision. The decision are, did you not make the decision yet? I'm sorry, boss. I went with Rasheed, but I thought we could come to a consensus here because we can't. Yeah. We only have three. Consensus, yeah, the consensus is is Zay Flowers. Well, let me read the stats for you. Maybe we'll let Debo be the tiebreaker. And you've already angered Debo, so that may be in my favor. <laughs> Rasheed had 79 catches. Zay had 77. 938 yards for Rasheed, 858 for uh, Zay, seven touchdowns for Rasheed, five touchdowns for Zay. And then in terms of yards per reception, 11.9 for Rasheed and 11.1 for Zay. So they're close. And I, I, you, the point you make is a good one, that Zay did it consistently over the course of the season. Rasheed struggled a little earlier. And then they had to lean on him because no one else would catch balls for that team outside of the tight end. And then he finally, Rasheed started coming on. Rasheed had three drops, and Zay had seven. I'm not going to push back. I'm okay with Zay, and I think they're both going to get better. I'll ask the Debo question. Five years from now, who's had the most productive season? seasons? Mm. I think Zay uh, has had a really, really good season, made as an impact. I think Rasheed may have more upside down the road as he continues to develop. So I'm going to go with the upside guy. I, I don't just I, I get what you're saying. The only reason I'm hesitant is because I thought Zay Flowers, when he was on at BC, looked a little bit like Antonio Brown at times. So if he continues down that path with Lamar doing Lamar things, he might be. They both have, you know, MVP type quarterbacks yeah. that they're playing with. So that helps a lot, too. That does help a little bit, it turns out. All right. Brian, I don't think we would have been having that debate for the third pick on the list if Tank Dell had stayed healthy, right? Tank Dell is another. So, yeah. right. Let's mention quickly some of the guys who who were in the conversation. Tank Dell got hurt, unfortunately, but he was he was doing crazy stuff. Averaging 15.1 yards per reception as a 5'8 five, five, on a good day. Um, he had 101 receptions for four. No, I'm sorry. Look at Puka. Like, My God, how did he do that? He had 47 catches for 709 yards, seven touchdowns. And he played in, in a handful of fewer games because he got hurt about a month ago now, it feels like. So he did some special things. I won't mention Michael Wilson, who's fantastic when he's on the field because he didn't play a lot. Um, but I know that's my guy. Uh, the Green Bay receivers. Galen Reed. And Dontavian Wicks both came along as the season yeah. progressed. Then there are the tight ends on that team that came along. Luke Musgrave battle injuries for a little bit. So there's there's some guys that that made some plays. Yeah, the only other one you haven't mentioned yet was Smith and Jigba and how he's come on as of late as well. I'm looking at his numbers now because I haven't watched him. So I haven't watched him in, in probably a month or so. He's he's playing a lot better. Yes. Yep. Okay. Excellent. First wide receiver taken at number twenty. So. And the only thing I would say when you're throwing out these numbers that would be, if I'm just a scout in the in the corner. Yeah. What do you got? Uh, when you look at how many times they are targeted on third downs and how many third downs they convert, because I think that's a critical factor too. I'm going to tell you that right now. Actually, I have to tell you that in a second. I only have first downs in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in the meantime, let's talk about these tight ends. And one of these tight ends has, in real life, NFL-wise, been named to a Pro Bowl already. Puka Nakua has been named to the Pro Bowl, not surprisingly there. The tight end that's been named to the Pro Bowl, Sam Laporta. Turns out he is our, with the first pick, rookie all-pro team tight end representative. Hands down. 81 catches, 860 receiving yards, nine nine touchdowns. What are we, what are we talking about here? So no hesitation with Dalton Kincaid? None. Dalton Kincaid had... 589 receiving yards and two touchdowns. So, and there's some other targets 
Well, I mean, the Lions have a ton of targets, but um, even though Josh Allen may not have been targeting Stefan Diggs as often, there was some split in terms of where the rest of the throws were going. Donkey K had a great rookie season, but Sam Laporta had a fantastic outing, and we've talked about it before, Rick. Uh, improved as a blocker from last year, too. I thought he was a pretty decent blocker coming out, but he does it all. Uh, and uh, some of the people that I talked to in Detroit thought that he was he had George Kittle-type skills, which is starting to show up. Yeah, you're not getting any pushback from me on that one. I, my next question for you is going to be redraft. He's a he's a first-round pick. Oh, yeah. He's first tight end yeah. off the board. Yeah. That, that's not even controversial, it feels like. All right. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll hit the most important group of guys on the opposite side of the ball, the five fat guys charged with protecting the quarterback. Right I don't this. think you can say that on the air. <laughs> All right, Rick, I check real quick uh, about the third down conversions for these wide receivers that you were eager to find out about. Jordan Addison on third down, averaging 19 point yards, 19 yards per reception. Puka's at 16.7. Sam Laporta is at 10.3. And Rasheed and Zay Flowers are, are tied at 11.6. So they're they're making plays on third down as well. So there you go. Still good, it turns out. They all are. They all are indeed. All right. Let's talk about these offensive linemen. And tell me if you have any pushback here. Right tackle or one of the offensive tackles, because we're going to mix this up here. Just offensive tackle in general. Dewan Jones. So, uh, 50-50. What does that mean, 50-50? You're not sold on Dewan Jones as, as a candidate? I was, and then he kind of sputtered down the stretch, and then he got hurt. He got hurt. Okay. Uh, the, the only one that I would challenge at right tackle was uh, Darnell Wright at Chicago, who okay, yeah, as the season went along, but that's the only reason I bring that up. No, that's a good reason to bring it up, and we'll just do the tackles in general because I don't know if we have a, a left tackle specific on the on the playing card here. Paris Johnson Jr., the sixth overall pick, I think he started every single game for the yeah. Cardinals, and then Darnell Wright and Broderick Jones has started playing right tackle as of late, probably the last month and a half, two months of the season, maybe for the Steelers. I don't know if he makes this. Round of cuts, however. So we have to name two. Who are you going with? And I'm keep going. in mind, Bears fans are extremely angry at us for not being higher on Darnell Wright, if that affects your opinion at all. That doesn't affect my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Duly noted. <laughs> but I, I would go with Wright, and Ooh. I would go with Paris Johnson because of the consistency and the improvement through the year. I don't, I, I'm not going to disagree with that. I think Dewan, had he stayed healthy, would have been maybe, in discussion. Yeah, but he he got hurt, unfortunately. Somehow it doesn't matter. Joe Flacco's the only quarterback on planet Earth that doesn't need protection. Those tag those tackles are playing well, the backups to the backups. Credit to them for that. But Darnell Wright has is, is um made life easier for Justin Fields and made life easier for Ryan Pay uh, Ryan Poles, excuse me, in terms of not having to draft an offensive lineman with this next round of draft picks coming his way once they trade down. And then Paris Johnson Jr., again, same conversation there. They can draft a left tackle if they want. Yeah, and Humphreys, or, I think, tore his ACL last weekend. Oh, I didn't know that. So, or they can draft Marvin Harrison Jr. In the, if they're in position for that. But they're they're in a good spot as well with Paris Johnson Jr. And uh, Dewan Jones uh, was pleasantly uh, a pleasant surprise as a fourth-round pick. Only a fourth-round pick because of the pre-draft process. Right, and the concerns about his focus on being in shape. But, hey, he proved us wrong for one year, so good for him. All right, let's talk about the interior offensive line. We'll go, go with the two guard positions first. I had my guy Peter Skaronsky on here. Had the appendectomy early on, so he missed a handful of games. And then he played he played well before the appendectomy. Not quite as well since. Um, but I like him. That said, he's in the conversation with Osiris Torrance, who would have been a first-round pick, but there were some uh, late-in-the-draft process injury concerns that I think saw him fall out of the first round. He's been healthy and he's been playing. He's played in 16 games so far. And he's he's been in terms of uh the number of times he gets beaten, he's at 3.3%, which is uh behind only Skaronsky, Dewan, and Dewan Jones among the rookies, offensive linemen. So that's certainly noteworthy. And then, of course, there's Kyron Williams' teammate, Steve Avila, second round pick, who's been playing uh guard every single start this season. 16 games and he's playing at a high percent and his uh, getting beat percentage is 3.6%. And he's right behind Osiris Torrance. 
So those are the candidates for me. Who do you like? Well, those are the guys for me too. Can I have the same guys? Oh, we're, we're going to, we're X and out Skaronsky. Yeah, no, but I, I would go with, uh, Torrance and I would go with Avila. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know if I was, I would be able to convince you that Skaronsky deserves a little love there, but the no, injury he does, he does, but he's going to have to be the, he'll be the honorable mention behind Osiris yeah. and, and Steve Avila. No, I think that's right. How hard is it to be an interior offensive lineman? or for that matter, any offensive lineman and start as a rookie and have the success that these players have had. It helps when you have bumpers on the sides of them, but it's a whole different game from a speed standpoint and how quickly things happen. But these guys were all high-level players coming out. and uh, And I think those offensive line coaches developed these guys and did a great job with them as well because it's part of it. But... I always looked at where were they at week one and where they're at now. And I think these guys both consistently climbed as they went through the season. That even speaks uh, perhaps higher Peter Skaronsky, who moved from left tackle to interior, played at a high level early on before the appendectomy. I think he'll be an eventual pro bowler. Yeah. He just got to get healthy. And they need to keep drafting offensive tackle so they get our offensive line until they get it right. All right, let's go to the center position where I – made note of the players that I liked, and Debo didn't even include him in the list, so I went back and included him myself. Somehow, weirdly, this is your guy that you didn't include either. So it's there was not a lot to choose from. It was uh, Joe Tipman out of Wisconsin, who, um, God, who does Tipman play? He's for the Jets? He does, right? Yes. Yeah. And then there was uh, John Michael Schmitz out of Minnesota, who plays for the Giants. And I think it's fair to say that both players have had up and down years. But you went with Joe Tipman. I went with John Michael Schmitz. Sell me on Joe Tipman. I just, he was just a little bit more consistent in pass protection uh, than John Michael Schmitz. I think they're both going to be good players, but that is a lot to throw on a rookie, especially at the center position. I don't know if they're also in charge of calling the protections up front, identifying the mics, how much they put on their plate. Um, I think this was more of, out of any position we talked about so far is by default. Someone's got to, we had to put someone in there. Right. So. And if you look at the the numbers, let's see, they played almost the identical number of snaps, both played over 700 snaps. John Michael Schmitz allowed 24 pressures and Joe Tipman allowed 18. So I think your point is a half a dozen of one, which one do you, do you want to lean on just for this season? And then moving forward, who knows how this works out? I like both guys coming out. I think I may have liked Tipman even a little more than John Michael Schmitz. Yeah. I, th- I, I think you like John Michael Schmitz a little, bo- little bit more. Yeah. I like John like Michael Schmitz a little bit more. And uh, John Michael Schmitz's background is wrestling, which is always important. We talk about these offensive linemen. We didn't talk to Joe Tipman throughout the process, but he was six, six, which is enormous for a center. Um, yeah. So, all right. Congratulations, Joe Tipman. You can send John Michael Schmitz. You're with the first pick hat. If you feel sorry for him, it's up to you. All right, Rick. That's the offensive side of the ball. Going to the defense. And I, we, you and I have talked about this before, and I think I've talked about it on HQ or elsewhere. The first, I mean, this is not a, I don't think this is a grand revelation. The first edge spot is going to go to Will Anderson Jr. Yes. Has seven sacks. And Debo... If you could look quickly at uh, what Rick's, I think Rick's going to hit this bet. He bet a dollar on what Will Anderson's sack total would be for the year, and I feel like it's eight and a half, but we'll see. But what eight I, and a half? Eight and a half. Hey, I, how do you feel about that with one game? Do we give him postseason or just regular season? That is regular season only. All right, you need a second and a half, Rick. That wasn't in fine print. <laughs> he could get a second half. He got two sacks last week. Yeah. You're right on. You got you hit that one right on the nose. But what I usually say is that no one's talking about all the Texans gave up to go up to number three to get Will Anderson because he's been that good. Yeah, and and, and yeah, there was a lot of hesitation by some of our colleagues on what oh, they're yeah. doing. <laughs> he's not twitchy enough. Yeah, but he is. Uh, he's showing that he is twitchy, and he gets after the quarterback, and he plays with his hair on fire. The highest of motors, for sure. Yes. Okay, you think so that should be more in the running for defensive rookie of the year. I think his name should be definitely a candidate for that. Jalen Carter has not hit a rough patch, but that whole defense Debo's had hit a rough patch, I think it's fair to say. Would you agree with that? 
No, it, it, you know, it's, it's lessened a little bit recently. Like Carter has been the runaway favorite since week one and Anderson is, is close behind. Um, but it seems like Jalen Carter's had it locked up, even though he has not been as impressive in recent weeks. I mean, I don't know what's going on in Philadelphia, Rick. There's some, they, they got some things to sort out. Uh, in the meantime, second player at the exposition edge position to make the list. And it came down to get the names right here. Oh, yeah. Byron Young, who we talked about earlier in the season, having a fantastic season. And Thule, Thule too. Now, Byron Young has played something like 4 million snaps. He's played a ton of snaps. It's so funny how much he's played. Um, less so for for Thule and even Will went by comparison. But who'd you go with? I went with Thule, although I'm a big uh, Byron Young fan. I agree. I went with Thule as well. And I think Thule has had an opportunity to play um, on a team. Where some... Yeah, I'm not mistaken. They've they moved him up and down the line because sometimes I think he rushed from the inside as well. That's right. Where, uh, you know, Byron Young is just an edge rusher, a really good edge rusher for a rookie. Uh, but to me, my tiebreaker was the ability to move up and down the line to try to create mismatches potentially versus a guard, but he can still rush off the edge, which gives uh, gives a team more value. Will Anderson leads all rookies in terms of pressure in the quarterback. He does it 15.7% of the time he's on the field. And Thule is sixth at 11.7%. Our guy Byron Young, who has played 300 more snaps than Will and about 100 more than Thule, at, pressures the quarterback at about 10% of the, the snaps he's on the field. He's had a great season. There's no doubt about it, especially given that he was a third-round pick and Will was first and Thule was a number two, a second-round pick. And we talk all the time about how well the Rams have done with their their draft class here. But um, Will Anderson, Tuli Tupelo, too. They get our nods as the rookie all-pros with the first pick style. You okay with that? Yeah, although I, if someone wants to complain about not having Byron Young up there, I'm not going to fight that either. No, no doubt about it. He's had a great season. But Debo only gave us two slots, so... There's no way the Alabama kids aren't making it. <laughs> and there was one slot left. <laughs> it's going to be hilarious when Bryce Young asks you why he didn't make our with the first pick rookie all pro team. Um, all right. Next up, defensive tackle. We get two spots here, too. We're going to rubber stamp Jalen Carter, even though he's hit uh, less productive weeks. Yeah. Yeah. He's rubber stamped. Yeah. I think so, too. Six sacks, two forced fumbles, fumble return for touchdown. I mean, if he doesn't do another thing for the next year and a half, I think we're we'll still we can still marvel at what he did as a rookie. Now things get interesting, Rick. Now things get interesting. I didn't ask Lee Jay to make another video <laughs> to support Kobe <laughs> Turner, but I should have. And we've talked about Kobe Turner in recent weeks, and, and weeks prior to that, we've talked about Brian Brzee, the late first round pick of the Saints, who's had a breakout season and playing exactly like uh, many people thought he would once he got healthy. He's he's been so good. So Turner, Kobe has nine sacks. And listen, Debo just mentioned um Will and, and Jalen as potential defensive rookie of the years. I think Kobe Turner is making a, a fine case as well. I think he'll be mentioned there, but if I have to put a dollar on somebody to win whatever the odds are, uh ten million dollars. Is it one and then plus ten million? <laughs> he has nine sacks as an interior defensive lineman. That's insane. Yeah, no, and I'm giving him credit for what he is doing, and he's twitchy, and he's a pass rusher. But are we basing this on just pass rush, or are we also basing it on the complete game? I mean, we could do complete game, but pass rush is flashy. Yeah, that's, that's what the attention. media does and the fans. Okay, they just look at numbers, and yeah, let's crown him king. There are three candidates to win Defensive Rookie of the Year based on yep. the odds. It is it is only three people. It's Jalen Carter, Will Anderson, and not far behind. I know these numbers don't mean anything to you, but Kobe Turner's plus 500. So that means, you know, with a significant performance and, and maybe lesser performances from Carter and Anderson this weekend, he's he's got a shot. 
So you say I should put my dollar to win $500 on Kobe. We Turner. need a strong media narrative for Kobe Turner, but Rick refuses to do it. Rick <laughs> refuses to do it. Well, he didn't want to budge on Puka Spielman. I budged uh, on Puka Spielman. So what do you like better? Who do you like better, Puka Spielman or, or Kobe Spielman? <laughs> Puka. <laughs> All right. Man, the nice sex. And by the way, Rick, if you bet your dollar now to win 500 you'll get in early because if he has a big week and the other two – sort of fall off a little bit that number is going to go down so you'll, you'll you're actually losing money in effect so think about that no I'm not so it goes down so i win 250 bucks instead of 500 bucks all right well that's one way of thinking about it yeah i still can't understand why debo can't explain that betting thing correctly if you bet 100 you win 500 when it's plus 500 no it's a dollar. You take 600 home and put it in your piggy bank <laughs> <laughs> So is, uh, has Brzee been good enough to to supplant Kobe Turner? What's what's the pick, Rick? I'm going with Brzee. Why? Okay, you have to explain yourself. <laughs> Why? I mean, he's been don't no no doubt about it. He has played at a high level, but he does not have nine sacks. No, but he's been disruptive, and he's came yeah. on as of late. And if you watch, I think he had last week or the week four two sacks in a game. You did. And I just think I, I don't look at just the numbers. Okay, if you're going off who can rush the passer, both of them can rush the passer. But That's if you're true. looking at it as who can play the run as well, then I think Brazil is stronger at the point versus the run than uh Kobe Turner. Brazil's played 150 fewer sacks or thereabouts, and all told, seven tackles for loss for Brzee and eight for Kobe and the nine sacks, of course. And then Brian has four and a half sacks as well. I know you're not going to the numbers, just reading them out for people that are listening. I'm going to split the award. I'm not going to give up on Kobe Turner. I don't want – I'm the, not giving up on Kobe. He's a great – No, I mean in terms of this this award here. I know you like him. But I, I we got to split it, Debo. I think uh, – so we get uh, Jalen Carter and then a half a spot each for Kobe and a half a spot That's for – It's a cop out. I don't like it. <laughs> Well, I don't think I'm going to move. Remember, remember Rick's whole thing? Like, you know, it has to be a pop or a drop. That's I don't true. think we could split here. All right. Well, Rick's not going to budge. And I I'm, I like Brazil a lot, so I'm just going to cave. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really good in the draft room. Eh, all right. Draft the other kid. At Spielman underscore Rick. I know that will create a lot of uh, commentary. I'm yeah, sorry, that's definitely our biggest um, omission. Yeah, I wish I knew how to look for that stuff on my on my Twitter thing. Debo will show you. I apologize to Lejay because he's not going to be happy about that. Kobe, next time. So, we'll, we'll get you next time. And the good news yeah, of Kobe past, Turner is? Huh? What's that, Debo? I was just going to say the past two positions we've omitted, a Ram and a Ram. So Ooh. LA fans will, will not be happy with this portion of the podcast. Can I just make one point that really tick yeah. people off? It helps when you have Aaron Donald next to you. Oh, no. Six guys sliding Aaron Donald so he can get a lot of one-on-one situations. You're not helping, Rick. (laughs) I'm just... I'm just say something. Say something about Puka. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if he would beat a DB other than a linebacker every time he's in. There uh... <laughs> Somehow, Steve Avila is. And Kyron Williams are Rick's favorite Rams rookies. Well, it's funny you mentioned Kyron Williams because the best news for Kobe Turner is he gets two years in the uh, the Rick Spielman rookie voting. So next year, Kobe Turner, you can still win. No, he's played. I didn't think Kyron Williams did he play for a year at all. <laughs> oh, man, Rick is. Do you have something uh, against Les Snead and Sean McVay that we don't know about? No, I love them. I think that they should be coach of the year, potentially, and GM of the year. Right. They've done a phenomenal job. And I think Raheem Morris should be uh, whatever the Frank Boyle's assistant coach of the year. Yeah. All right. Well, at least you saved yourself with that one. All right. Uh, While Rams fans fiercely take to Twitter, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll hit the rest of these defensive guys right after this. All right, Rick, we're going to the linebackers. And this one felt pretty straightforward, too. We've talked about both these young men uh, frequently. Ivan Pace Jr., undrafted somehow out of Cincinnati. I remember 
liking him throughout the draft process, but we we discussed number one, the linebacker position is sort of undervalued. And if you're undersized, that makes it even tougher for you to get drafted. But he's been an integral part of what they do defensively. I think he has the green dot. Is that correct? Yes. Which means he's the the person who communicates with the rest of the team from the sidelines. And then our other guy, again, not surprisingly, Jack Campbell, the other first round pick after Jameer Gibbs for the Detroit Lions. If we're ranking the the top three picks there, or top four picks, and we'll get to the other pick in a second. I think it's Jameer. This is actually interesting. All right. So you had Jameer, then they drafted Jack, then they drafted Brian Branch, and then they drafted Sam Laporte. I think that's the order. Rank those guys in order of uh, effectiveness as rookies. Boy, that's hard. It is. Yeah. Well, you got to put Laporta first, probably. Ahead of Jameer, you think? Probably. Yeah. And then I would go Jameer Branch. Branch Jameer. You can make an argument either way. And then I would put Campbell as the fourth. And Campbell hasn't been slacking. It's just that he's had three really good players. They they still rotate him in with uh, Rodriguez and uh, Anzalone and couple of those other guys. The, the only other honorable mention would be uh, my linebacker from Alabama when I was watching Willie Anderson. I was just trying to watch some clips on him too. Henry Totoa? Totoa, yeah, who's also had a really productive rookie year. You know, it's funny. When I look at the numbers to try to figure out the pass rush rate and all that stuff, Henry's name has weakly been at the top. Has it? I just, yeah. I just I don't go off those numbers. I just go off of what I see on tape. No, I understand that, but I don't have uh, the acumen nor the hours in the day to to watch Henry Toa Toa tape when when Debo gives us all his homework. So I'm just letting you know that he also, according to the to the math nerds, is doing doing pretty well in terms of getting after the quarterback. I'm not, I'm not sure how he's doing in coverage. You can tell me that because you've seen him. Yeah, he's okay in coverage. Yeah, but he's been playing really good against the run. I think he's instinctive. Um, Wish he was a little more physical at times, but there's huh. no question that uh, he's he's a good NFL linebacker, will be a really good NFL linebacker. I don't think we talked to one person throughout the draft process last year that was a bigger Rick Spielman fan than Henry Tolatola. He was incredibly uh, engaging, charismatic, and excited to talk to you once we got on set, even after you gave him a hard time, which is uh, some of those kids didn't get the Rick Spielman humor, but Henry certainly did. <laughs> All right, Ivan Pace Jr., congratulations to you and to Jack Campbell. I think it's probably not a stretch to say that Ivan Pace played better than Jack and obviously yeah. played more often. Yep. All right, good job, boys. Ivan had 93 tackles, two and a half sacks, and an interception, one forced fumble. Jack had a sack and a pass breakup and 83 tackles. All right, let's go to the secondary. Last but certainly not least. Start with the cornerbacks here. Debo once again tried to shortchange his Nittany Lion alum. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, Devon Witherspoon, layup. Layup. Made the Pro Bowl team. Yeah. And he, he in fact, did make the actual Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl team as a rookie along with Puka and um, Laporta. And, I mean, he played outside primarily in college. They move him all over the place. He can play inside, and he plays with an edge, both physically down the field and coming downhill in the run game. I don't know what the holes in his game are. He, he was – very much worth that fifth overall pick. I ask a question, Debo, since apparently I'm picking on you today. When you send these rundowns <laughs> and underneath his name, it says interception, interception, touchdown. Does it, does that mean he's had two interceptions and one was for a touchdown? I mean, but you know, one force fumble, three uh, numeric <laughs> numbers next to the stat would be, incredibly easier to understand. We got to question the the school system in Ohio because Rick doesn't understand grading or numbers. <laughs> look look all that he ever, ever came to get to where he got in life, Debo. Imagine if he actually had some schooling. He, he could be Yeah, and could do you imagine that I tested out a calculus in college? I never had to take a math test. That's hard to believe, Debo. <laughs> Uh, Devo's beside himself. <laughs> He's just stabbing that that Rick Spielman voodoo doll. See what's next. All right. So De- Devin Witherspoon, congratulations. And we will get his final numbers for clarification for Rick shortly. All right, next up. Initially in the email, Devo had DJ Turner here. And we've talked about DJ Turner. He had a really good season for Cincinnati for sure. 
But I was like, Debo, how can you leave out my guy, Joey Porter Jr.? 32nd overall pick, top of the second round, because there's only 31 picks the last draft. He has an interception, comma, 10 pass breakups. And he's gotten flagged four or five times for mostly either DPI or, or handsy downfield, but certainly much better than what we saw last year. And he has been critically important to what they've been able to do because it has allowed Patrick Peterson to play deep safety now. Minka's been out with injuries, have had some other injuries at the safety position, and that's been critical for sort of duct taping that defense together. I would say he's exceeded my expectations by a large margin. Would you agree with that? Yeah, well, I liked him coming out as well. So we were uh, stiffness, though, right? Yeah, there was a little tightness, but he to me was from press coverage the most physical corner we saw last year with getting his hands on receivers, and he was too grabby down the field. But I think we went back, if I recall, um, and against Ohio State, he had a good matchup, pretty good yeah. matchup against those those lads. Absolutely. Uh, top 15 pick, if you were coming out, we were redrafting? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think he may be the, the – besides, it was at Weatherspoon, and who was the next corner? Emmanuel Forbes was up there, Christian Gonzalez, and then Emmanuel Forbes, I believe. Yeah, Gonzalez was hurt all year, so jury's still out on him. He played great before he got hurt, but yeah, not yeah. didn't play very much. But let's say Gonzalez continued like he was playing. He would have been on this list probably and been number yep. two. Then I would think Porter would have been number three. Yeah, hopefully Emmanuel Forbes can regroup because he was coming out. He was a ball hawking machine, and he's he hit a couple couple rough patches uh, throughout the. Forbes course. was sixteen, Gonzalez seventeen. I think you know oh. there's that thought just that Gonzalez was actually the second off the board, but it was actually Forbes. That's right, because that's when the Steelers traded it up, Pat traded it down, Washington like Forbes all the time, and then Gonzalez. That's that's crazy. All right, and then a few picks later, after Gonzalez, the Giants took Deontay Banks, who we talked to at the combine, and he was a little quirky, but ton of confidence. And you didn't care about the quirkiness; you cared about the confidence. And he plays with that confidence, and he plays with the physicality, he plays with the speed, all the things we saw at Maryland. And um, how do you feel about him being our, our cornerback three on this list? Yeah, because they play a lot of man coverage, so they put him on, and I thought that that's his best attribute is man coverage, and I think that he played very well. I didn't think he was above those other two, but I think okay. he would be a good corner in this league for, for a long time as long as he stays healthy. Two interceptions, 11 pass breakups, and he is long and fast. And Deontay and Joey Porter Jr. got in over Tyreek Stevenson. And Tyreek, another draft pick of the Bears, who quietly also had a really good draft. And he has played a lot of football, and he has played a lot of football at a pretty high level. And, uh, again, making Ryan Poles' job easier as they sort out what they're going to have to do in this offseason that we'll talk about nonstop, I'm sure. But um, we, you and I talked about him, and we kept coming back to the UNC game where he looked lost. Yeah, He looked like he hadn't played football. And then just shows to goes to, goes to show – that you can bounce back. He was at the Senior Bowl, had a had a pretty good week. I don't think it was anything noteworthy, but he didn't hurt himself. And then, how do you go from that, Rick, when you evaluate him in the in the fall, and you may have not great feelings about him to being talked into liking him throughout the process? Well, that's where you, the coaches come into place, and the scheme comes into place, and what we're going to ask him to do, which may be different than what Miami of Florida was going to ask him to do. Um, so, and he was okay earlier in the year. Uh, but really has came on like gangbusters as of late. And uh, that's where it's so important when the uh, front office and the head coaching and the coaches have to work together to identify what characteristics and physical characteristics are going to fit our scheme. And this is why we may take this guy over another team because he's going to fit our scheme better. I know I've asked you this before, probably talking about another player, but just in general, are you drafting a Tyreek Stevenson because you know you got to face Justin Jefferson twice a year? I think, but see, that that's the question on, and we all liked Forbes. We all saw the ball skills and stuff, but you also got to look at who you're playing with in your division. Yeah. You know, so look at the C.D. Lambs of the world. Look at the A.J. Browns of the world. I mean, those are men. Those aren't you know, <laughs> small slot receivers. Right. And there's a 170 pound corner, which you're going to ask, going to be able to go against those big, physical, very talented receivers. Right. So, yeah, that is, you do think about those things because you have to do you the math. To. Yeah. You play right. them twice a year. And first goal is to uh, try to win the division. Yeah. And next year, 
Browns are not going to have any. I mean, the Browns, the Bears aren't going to have any excuses. This team is going to look crazy five, six months from now. Yeah, and uh, Ryan Wilson has claimed them as the Super Bowl winners next year. But, I mean, those odds, you could make a several hundred dollars, Rick, if you make that bet now. Bears win the Super Bowl in 2025. Well, it's like one to 3,000 plus 3,000, and I can win $3,000 with the $1. $1 bet. I mean, you you pay off your house. (laughs) A couple of dollar bets. All right. Finally, let's get to the safeties here. We sort of snuck, uh, sneak peeked it earlier. Brian Branch, I mean, he's been a revelation. They had four, basically four first-round picks, two of which they got in the second round, and Sam Laporte and Brian Branch. And we've talked to, every time we talk about Brian Branch, I bring it up. Uh, we got distracted by the four, five, eight, and we shouldn't have. All right, just like the Puka Nakua's of the world. Right. And he has been, I would imagine, Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator, was pleasantly surprised with how good and how how quickly Brian Branch was played as well as he did. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, no, he, I don't know why he, but he missed some time with an ankle early. Yeah. Um, but he's had a, uh, really, really good rookie year. And if you note on the rundown there, three interceptions, comma, interception for touchdown, that was week one against Patrick Mahomes. So I don't know, is that four interceptions total or is that just three interceptions and one of those interceptions were for a touchdown? It's hard to really decipher what is being produced for us. <laughs> that is the that is the great mystery that we may never solve. But I, I do recall that w- that one of the interceptions was week one against Patrick Mahomes that he took to the house, which is a great way to start your career for sure. Yep. So is it four total or is it three total? And one of those were for an interception. D- Debo, do you want to defend yourself? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> We got we got a question. This uh, the uh, the masculine school system. This guy, <laughs> how he graduated? He's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. It's three total, Rick. Just for what do you think's going through his head right there, Ryan? <laughs> oh, right there. I can tell you what's going through my head. I can't believe I'm going to be doing a podcast at the age I'm at right now. <laughs> you got your hair feathered back. Look at that, man. That, that was a handsome lad. Wasn't you were a handsome lad. Got a tie on. You look the same, which is sort of creepy. <laughs> I mean, like you look more like high school Rick there than when you were protecting Dan Marino when you were Dolph Lundgren. Oh, years yeah. ago. When I went with the Dolph, <laughs> when I went through that phase of my life, everybody goes through phases in life. <laughs> so, where, when did you go from feathered hair to the crew cut? Did you do that in college? Uh, no, it went from feathered hair to uh, mullet to. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. You yeah. gotta have a football mullet. Yeah. To kind of the professional businessman look to all of a sudden I'm in South Florida and it's hotter than heck down here. The crew cut flat top to now just professional TV hair slash if ever people ever gets me a role in Hallmark, I just, I'm ready. You're ready. Love it. All right, let's talk about the one last safety position. And this one is a doozy because we got some decisions to make, Rick. So, Jair Brown out of Debo's Penn State, playing for the 49ers, playing a lot. Jordan Battle out of Alabama, playing for the Bengals. And our guy, Christian Itzian out of Rutgers, playing for the Bucks. And Jair and Jordan were drafted. Christian was not. And I'll ask you. Which direction are you are you leaning here? Because all three players have played a lot. All three players have, have been yeah. helpful in their secondary. And I'm going to give Jair credit because I don't think he was starting right till uh, the, uh, who uh, who oh who, to, to, who got towards ACL. Yeah, towards ACL, and then he stepped in and actually played very well. That's uh, right. He's played substantially fewer snaps than the uh, other guys we're talking about. Right, but give him credit for him stepping in and them not really falling off on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but oh, geez, that's Rams fans calling me now. <laughs> <laughs> They're on to you, uh, Jordan Battle, who we is a good football player out of Alabama. I think you know when we talk about it, he has some limitations when he's back on a defense, but. I thought he was one of the most physical rookies at the position uh, when he's close to the line of scrimmage. He's a thumper now when you watch some tape on him. I got yep. peeked at him when we were 
peeking at DJ Turner a little bit, uh, yeah. watching some Cincinnati stuff. And then uh, Tampa Kid, is it Itzine? Izine? Yeah. Um, you know, because he plays mostly Nick, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. So there wasn't a clear cut direction from Debo on did they have to be safeties? What are we doing with the Knicks? Non cornerbacks. Huh? Non outside cornerbacks. I, yeah, I know. I'm just kind of looking through my notes here on directions and what <laughs> to do, and that wasn't clarified in there. You got hung up on the interception thing. <laughs> So, yeah, well, that was the first thing that blew my mind and that's, uh, the lack of detail on direction. And then the second one was, okay, because Brian Branch technically is more Nick than he is safety. So yeah. I was confused. I, I really was. That's okay. But I recognize what Brian Branch has done. Uh, and then I kind of, I can see Brown. I can, all these guys I, I like, I thought they all had impacts. Um, but couple of these guys, Debo, would be interesting uh, when we did our just good football player segments, uh, if any of these guys were. I know we try to go through the later rounds, but uh, any of these guys that were on our just good football players list. I feel like Itzian may have been. Either him or his teammate. The the. No, it was Itzian. Okay, yeah. And, and I, I remember, remember if Ivan Payson made it. Ivan uh, Pace may have made it. Yeah, that's right. Oh, good call. So, All right. Well, we got to make it. I'm not a producer or a director or whatever the heck Debo does on the show, but you have ideas. I have ideas. All right. I'm going to go with J.R. Brown. Uh, he hasn't played as much, but he has played at a high level on yeah. a really good defense. And um, I don't think Jordan Battle has been as consistent. And that defense has certainly not been as good. No disrespect to Jordan Battle. He's done some good things. And Etienne's a fun story, no doubt about it. But J.R. Brown, congratulations. So, Debo, that's two Penn Staters. Is Debo still honored? Did he already walk away counting the 10? No, he's still on. He's doing work on behind the scenes. So listen <laughs> to this, Rick. Multiple selections by the Rams. They had four. Ram, uh, excuse me, Lions at four. Rams should have had four, but you screwed them out of that, so they get two. Texans get two, and the Vikings get two. If we go by school here, Alabama leads away with three. No surprise there. Ohio State, Penn State had two each. Iowa had two. USC had two. And then a handful of teams, the remainders had one. And 12 of the 22 picks on our team are first-rounders. 13, if you if you want to include Joey Porter, who was technically a 32nd pick, but top of the first round in last year's draft class. Top of the second round. Top of the second, thank you, yeah. Picks. So 10 guys who were not first-round picks. Uh, one Ivan undrafted Pace, player. Ivan Pace was undrafted. Puka two, was a fifth-round pick. Players. Who's the other one? Eighteen. Oh, we didn't put him on the list. He was on the he was the finalist, but oh, um, J.R. Brown made it. Yeah. Okay. But he was in he was certainly in the in the mix, no doubt about it. Dang. All right. I think that's it. Good job. If Kobe Turner has four sacks this week, we're we're making an adjustment. Oh yeah. I'll do a voiceover for our, for our final list. <sighs> you're living uh you're living dangerously, Rick, with these Rams fans and Lee Oh, all right. Just I want to see him when he's uh, when they don't have uh, Aaron Donald next to him. Oh gosh, he's doubling down on the Aaron Donald thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, what happened with Kobe Turner? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he came out of he came out of hiding to talk at you, Rick. That's great. All right. So next week, next Tuesday, we'll be recapping the um, NFL, uh, the NFL, the, the college football championship, Michigan versus Washington. And while we got you here, Rick, you want to make any bold predictions about that game? Uh, Washington. Okay. I feel like I would like to see Washington win. I think it'll be a more high-powered offense, which isn't some grand proclamation. But I think that that Michigan defense is going to be interesting to see how Michael Penix Jr. responds. It's amazing Michigan with maybe not as many top-round talent players that Washington has, but how well they are coached and how well they play together as a unit offensively and defensively. Absolutely. And the Washington offensive line is a really good unit, but they're gonna they're gonna have some they're gonna have the hands full on Monday night. So we'll be back Tuesday to talk about that. We're meantime, gonna do a full mock draft on Thursday with you know the top of the draft order completely set. So our, our next full mock draft coming Thursday. Are you gonna give directions a little bit clearer? Debo, so I understand what I should get prepared for for these shows. The only directions you need is that it's all seven rounds. (laughs) (laughs) 
So start start grinding tape, Rick. Start grinding tape. And uh, by the way, my next mock draft for the website comes out Monday too. So look for that. Oh, I'll be on pins and needles. Pins and needles. Might be a draft trade at the top. Look for that. All right. Thank you to all who watch and listen and the comments you leave. And remember, if you want to leave a five-star review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts, FCS or FBS player, draft eligible who's coming out. We'd love to talk about him. That is episode 111 in the books. Thank you guys. And we will see you next week.